Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Pastor Major H. Gibbons Sr. coming to you on this Friday evening from our uh, uh, On the Wall Ministries Bible Institute Hour. We thank God for you joining us on this Friday evening. Uh, we are continuing study on uh, uh, who is the church. We, we're studying the body of Christ and we uh, finished up on who is the church and we're going to just give a brief outline on that this morning, but we're going to get into our second study. What does the church do? What does the church do? So we're going to get into uh, mainly the summary of our last study, and then we're getting into our study for this evening. Let us bow. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come, and as we come, Lord, we ask that you would just lower your dear servant in the deep well of thy salvation. Touch my lips. That I might boldly say those things you have laid upon my heart. Lord, just give me boldness of speech and give me clarity of understanding that I might speak where the oldest, youngest might have an understanding of your word, that they might have an application to their heart. Lord, we thank you. This is our prayer in Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Again, we've been studying the body of Christ. We just finished up on studying our first of our four uh, uh, parts of our study that we're going to study. Uh, study uh, on this uh, lesson plan that we are studying this uh, evening. Uh, we finished up on who is the church, and now we're going to get ready to start on what does the church do. Then we get into how is the church led, and then where is the church going. But uh, mainly I want to go back uh, and just touch back over uh, what is the church. So we looked at what is the church, and, and we said that the definition of the church is the church is a body of people uh, called by God's grace through the faith in Christ to glorify him by serving him in this world. So what is the local church? Well, the local church is the local body, uh, a gathering of believers together uh, in Christ, covenanted together to glorify God by serving him in the world. And we said that now that's what the emphasis of the church is. But that I don't mean in order for the local church, you have to have a church covenant like we had closed out in our last study. You don't have to have a church covenant, but it gives you some bylaws and some understanding of how to go by. But as we look, I don't, uh, I just don't know a better word to describe uh, the relationship that the covenant of uh, that believers have together is that we have a covenant agreement one to another. Uh, they've identified themselves as the church. So as we uh, look at this, why Matthew 18 says where two or three gathered together in the midst, he said that he would be there among them in the midst of them. So the church is the gathering of believers, but not just sitting down, uh, having the coffee together. The church is a gathering that is committed to one another, that is committed to loving each other, that is caring for each other and sparing each other toward Christ and doing all of the activities that uh, we are going to walk through. So do them together. That's what we do as a body of believers. We identify ourselves together as a church and we align ourselves together to do what God's word says to do uh, as a church. And then so when you get the local body of believers together, uh, they come together. You see this popping up all over the book of Acts. 
and then we see instructions and acts on how the church is supposed to uh, be. And as believers gathering together, we identify ourselves with each other and we commit ourselves to each other and we grow together as believers. We give themselves to the mission of the church as we come together and we worship together and we baptize together and that's what's happening in the local church and that's what I mean that we are covenant together as body of believers together trusting in Jesus Christ. So Christians and local churches are followers of Christ. We commit our lives to one another as a member, a part of a local church for the good of ourselves and others. And if you live as a Christian, uh, you will live contrary. I mean, if you live as a Christian without, uh, apart from the local church, apart from our gathering, apart from the fellowship, we starve ourselves spiritually and uh, and contrary to the New Testament, it's not a good thing to do. The New Testament knows nothing of Christianity dislocated or disconnected from our local churches. So God says it's our priority in order for the meet. Now, it's not perfect. No, no church is perfect. But obviously, local churches aren't perfect. And the reason why we aren't perfect, because you and I are members of the church. As long as we are imperfect beings, being in a church, that the church will not be perfect. But it's what we got on this side of the Jordan River. So if we're committed to each other, that's the beauty of the church, to come together, being committed one together in Christ. God's design as the church is to create a loving community that will be a public display of the gospel to the world. Our community that shows the difference that Christ uh, makes and that draws people to Christ by our love for one another. He said that by this by our love for one another, the world will know that we are his disciples. So that's the telltale fact on how we distinguish ourselves as a body of believers, as a church. The love that we have for one another will distinguish us as uh, from the world. So we are part of a local church for the good of non-Christians as well as our fellow Christians because God's design is to create this atmosphere so that non-believers can feel drawn into the company of believers. So the world is not drawn to Christ by seeing our casual and anonymous church attendance and, uh, and, and, and the way that we look at lackadaisical approach to the church. No, the world is not impressed by that. The world is not drawn by that. But that does doesn't do it. The world is drawn to Christ when they see people making sacrifices with their lives uh, in love for one another and committed to one another and to serve Christ uh, and, 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 and other places of the world, not just in church, in all areas of the world. God's design, that's his design. So do that uh, good for non-Christians, but ultimately for the glory of God. So let me ask a question and hopefully if you are not convinced that uh, that this will convince you, how will we display the glory of the one who died for the church if we devote nothing to the church? How can we show our love for Christ for giving us the church if we don't have an active part in the church? So do it for your own good. Also, what? For the good of others. 
that need you and they need us and we need them and the good of the lost that need to see Christ uh, in the church and do it for the glory of God. That's why we are part of this community of believers that we call church. So what does the church do? Uh, as we look at who is the church now, but what does the church do? God's design for his people. So we're going to talk about uh, seven activities of the church. And this is what the church does. God's design for his people. So what I do uh, that, uh, that the seven uh, core activities of the church, and the passage comes out of Acts 2nd chapter, verses 38 and 47, it should be in your study notes that we are going through. That's the foundation. So we want to read this, this right after Jesus uh, died on the cross. He is risen from the grave in Acts 1. He ascends up into heaven, Acts 2. He, he's at Pentecost. And he sends the spirit and Peter start preaching and, and, and you'll get to the end of the sermon. And then he says, and Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for your forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who were afar off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls himself. So you see this picture that is already we've been talking about it. And with as many other words, he said that he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So the inauguration of the New Testament church is happening at this moment. And then he reads on, and they devoted themselves, what? To the apostles' teaching uh, and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And they all came on every soul, and many wonders and sights were being done uh, by the, uh, through the apostles. And, and all who believed were together and had all things common. And they were selling their possessions and bringing and belongings and distributing and proceeds to all and that all had need of. And day by day attending unto the temple together and breaking of bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added unto them day by day whom being, were being saved. So, so you want to take a, this, uh, a look at this passage and want to show you those seven activities of the church. And I am going to try and look at this biblically and to try to uh, uh, throw aside some traditions and some preferences that we have. The church, it evangelizes, number one, and it baptizes, number two. It teaches number three. It nurtures number four. It worships number five. It prays number six. And it multiplies number seven. See, the bulk of the rest of the time together is spent on these seven that we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to walk through these hopefully one by one. So tonight, I'm going to attempt to cover the church evangelizes. The church evangelizes. You know, the church hope beholds the glory of God. And, and, and so let's start talking about the church evangelizes. 
the whole reality starts in Acts 1, and it starts when the church beholds the glory of God. And really, and not just in Acts 1, but the Great Commission, even in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Acts 1 says that Jesus was with them, and he thought he died. He rises from the grave, and I think, yes, but here in Acts 1 and 9, it says that when they had said these things, and they were looking on, that he was lifted up, and behold, two men stand by in white robes, and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking at them in heaven? And so he's saying, well, clearly, that's the rhetorical question, and, and just because uh, these men were, were, were seeing him going up into heaven, that was a great question, but they wanted to know why were they still standing there in amazement? This Jesus, here the promise is being set as a question. This Jesus who was taken up into heaven will come again in the same way that you saw him go up into heaven. And this is where it all starts, the church. And this is where we see Jesus. He is what? The risen Savior, he is the exalted Lord, he is our coming King, and this vision, don't miss it, the vision is going to drive us from here and go out through the rest of the book of Acts, that you'll see that that, that should drive the church toward us being, uh, uh, to the rest of the book should drive us until we come back the same way that he went. This should drive us with this activity or this, this searching for him or looking for him, coming back again to receive his church. He said the passion for the kingdom is fuel for the passion for the king. We should have the passion for the Lord of lords and the king of kings in our lives that we should be about our father's business going back evangelizing the church, letting the church know the church should be fueled by the passion for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And this is what I, I love about what Daniel says in Daniel 7, which prophesied that the son of man will come and, and be given authority, dominion, rule, and reign. And then uh, you get to Stephen, the first uh, uh, Christian martyr. He's being stoned and he looks up into heaven and he sees the glory of God. And, and Jesus is standing uh, there on the right hand of God. And, and, Jesus, and Stephen gives us his life. And why does he give his life? Because he's gripped by this glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then this is what we do uh, when we do in the church. We try to evangelize the world and let them know about the glory of God. Uh, it's not for us to come to church and like they said, they and have a cookout or anything. We got to proclaim the glory of God to the world. But also the church should proclaim the gospel of Christ. That's our duty. Now I know that's not a popular word, and this is why we tell the good news, but this is why we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. Why? Because everybody in the church is our duty to proclaim the gospel. Why? Because there are people all over the world, people all over the nation in the world that do not know Jesus in his hour duty to be able to let them know about Jesus as Savior and King. And he deserves every single one that we can call to give him glory. And that's why we tell him, and that's why we don't stop at just uh, trying to get a church and trying to 
settle in our own community. That's why we tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is King, and he deserves our praise, and this is why we go about doing what we're doing. All of the lost people all over the world, they, they deserve God's desire is none to be lost, so it's our duty to be evangelizing the world, telling them about uh, the risen Savior, and, 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 and the church proclaims the gospel of Christ. We behold his glory. We proclaim the gospel. The Spirit will come upon you. That's what Jesus said and you will be what? Witnesses unto me. And that's the word that we should understand, the witness. To witness is to speak or to testify or to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. People say, well, I witnessed my life, but, but, but who was it who said, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words? Well, it sounds cute, but that's not true. You can't preach the gospel just by being nice. Jesus didn't say the Spirit will come upon you and you will be able to be kind. God, he didn't say that. Well, yes, be kind. That's, that's natural for you to be kind and good, but hopefully it is a given for us. But if you witness, you've got to speak out, brothers and sisters, you've got to speak the truth of God's word, not the kind words that people want to hear. You've got to preach the gospel of word, letting them know that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So let us sit back and say, well, I just want to witness my life. I'll undercut the whole point of the gospel. We have more that have to go on. I want to witness that the Holy Spirit will lead me to say something to be able to draw this individual to Christ. Also, there's a grain of truth to certain things. Yes, we want to lead by the Holy Spirit, but that's the deal. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be a witness, okay? And this is good. So you can now consider yourself being led. And if you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, then this is a great thing to have in you. That's what you want. You don't have to wait for a tingling feeling in order for you to say that you have the Holy Spirit of God in you. Once you are baptized, the Spirit of God finds residence up in you, inside. He dwells in you. He guides and directs you. So it's not something that's magical. So this is what happened. When the Holy Spirit came down and they started talking, they started talking in languages that never had been spoken and understood by them. And it was understood in every language around, all that was around in Pentecost on that day. He said, proclaim the gospel in the power of Jesus' presence. That's what we need to do. See, we got to pro proclaim the gospel, preaching first that the kingdom of God is at hand. Preaching the first Christian sermon, it's a, a disciple with a with, with a, a foot-shaped mouth. You know, Peter. Peter had found his foot in his mouth every time he said something. But it's Peter. He's always saying something wrong. Always. But I love this in Luke 24, chapter verses 46 and 49. He said, stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And Peter, the last thing the world needs is you going out without the Spirit of God in you. So stay there until the Spirit comes upon you. Then you will be able to get me in you and I in you and you in me. Then we can become that one powerful thing to go out and be able to reach people in the world. So Peter does that. He preaches and think about it. Nah. 
that Peter said that he is with us. And this is the promise that the great commissions, he said, he dwells what? In us. And this is why John says in John 14, he said, greater works shall we do that, than Christ did. Why, how could we do greater works than Christ? We doing greater works than Christ because the greater works is the Holy Spirit working in us. We are really going to do greater works than Christ. Think about it. Christ was one man that was anointed and he filled with the Spirit of God. He ascends into heaven. He sends out the Spirit to anoint all those for followers and believers. And so that's right now. Uh, different countries and different villages and people all coming to Christ right now. People that are leaving uh, this place. is 3,000 people now. They're going out touching more believers. So that's how you're saying that they're doing greater works. They're touching more people because there are more of us. We are the body of Christ. He enables us to be able to go out and be his representative. He's promised this in Ezekiel 36. He said, I will put a new spirit in you and I will give you life, Ezekiel 37. And he empowers our proclamation and we announce the good news. A simple description that I've used and we've used around here as the gospel is the reality of the church doesn't just speak. The church speaks a certain message. See, we just can't speak. We got to speak the certain message. The just and the gracious God of the universe has looked upon us as hopeless, sinful men in our rebellion, and he sent Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to bear our wrath that was against him because of the sin that we had in our lives, and that he gave Jesus Christ to have power over sin to reconcile us back to him, and then, then we are reconciled to him forever by the one sacrifice that Jesus made. So when we speak, we tell people what I call gospel treads. Uh, it is the character of God. We tell people about God, who he is, and, and we tell people about the sinfulness of man, and, 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 and that's not popular. And then you've got this cup of cold water that you get applauded in the world. You tell men they're sinful and they're condemned before God, and, 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 and you, get a, uh, uh, you, you don't get applauded by, by anyone. So, so give the cup of cold water but don't deceive them by keeping the truth back as well. The sufficiency of Christ, we talk about that life and his death and his resurrection and the necessity of the faith. We call people to trust God. And in the urgency of eternity, we tell people to turn and trust in Christ. Eternity is dependent on what? on the gospel treads and the gospel testimonies uh, that in context with our lives. First Peter 3 tells us, uh, so prepare to tell about the hope that is what? In you. And, and when the church proclaims the gospel, uh, God awakens people's hearts. And, and I love Acts, thir uh, one, uh, Acts 13, and this is just one example of many. And in Acts 2, people were cut to the heart when they heard Peter preach. And in Acts 13, when the Gentiles heard this, uh, they were rejoicing and glorifying that the word of the Lord, or uh, as many that were appointed to eternity, uh, eternal life they believed, they were rejoicing. The Jews were complaining, but the Gentiles were rejoicing. It brought joy to their heart. You see the passive uh, approach there? They were appointed to eternal life. God is doing this. 
then, then we look at the church proclaims the gospel in light of Jesus' purpose. See, the sums up what we've been talking about already. We are worshipers, and it's right, and we are witnesses, and just emphasize the kind uh, that what witness is a proclamation. That witness is our proclamation. The Spirit is in us so that we could speak in the Old Testament. You look through the verses of uh, that, that, that I put in our text today, then, then you'll be able to see that in Acts 2, uh, by turning there, I want you to see that Acts 2.18, uh, that, that, that it said that pull out of your Bible that when you see these places in the Old Testament, that the prophets and others, that the Spirit is on them and they speak, and the Lord is on me and to proclaim. So that's what the Spirit does. It, 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 that when Joel says that, that he's turning into Acts 2, and, he, and then Joel says that the Spirit of the Lord upon me, and that he said that, 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 that this is what they uttered, that the prophet Joel had said, that, that sons and their daughters shall prophesy. He's putting on a new thing. This is a new thing that was not in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament is coming to the revelation that God will use more than just a chosen prophet. He's sending all of us out. He's given all of us. Let's start in Acts 2.17. In the last days, he said that he'll declare, I will pour out my spirit on what? All flesh. So that let us pause there for a second. Did he get it right? And it shall come to pass afterward that he will what? Pour out his spirit on all flesh. Read that. And that's right about it. He says that your young men shall have visions and your old men shall dream dreams and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men. It, it talks about old and young. So if uh, in this Christ, first Christian sermon, and if you missed it in verse 18, it said, even my what? Servants and female servants and male servants in those days will I pour out my spirit. And then he said, even on male and female servants will he pour out his spirit on them. So at the end of verse 18, he says, and they shall what? Prophesy. And at the end of Joel 18, he said that they shall what? Prophesy again. And it picks up. And the wonders in the heavens above blood Fire comes on. Okay, Peter just added a phrase. And but 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 brothers, somehow we we've let God down. We haven't uh, understood the, the the seriousness of this verse. He says that Old Testament, everybody that was a prophet uh, were only a few people that were called prophets. And you got some prophets that, that that's in the Old Testament that. That, that we can call out, but those are not individuals that were uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Joel, and uh, they, they had that, that prophecy that was put upon certain people. But the thing about it is telling us in the New Testament that I will pour out my spirit on all people. All people in the New Testament, not a few people in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, a lot of people, all the people that have trusted in Christ that you realize that the privilege that we have, that we are being chosen to, to, to be reserved, that what Abraham and, and Jacob and, and Isaac and, and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, all of those uh, prophets and writers of the Old Testament, those people were privileged. But now God has given us the opportunity to be in the same language that these guys are in. Ezekiel and Joel and a few people that we look in history of the Old Testament, he said that they had the privilege, but now you and I, he said that we are 
what? Prophets of God. And what does it mean? Does it mean that we go out in some uh, or neon sign and come out and preach some language to a burning bush? No, that doesn't mean that. What does it mean? To, what does a prophet do? A prophet speaks for God and he speaks the word of God. Every follower of Jesus Christ is, has an opportunity to go out and evangelize the world. You have the call upon your life to speak for God. You, you don't have to have a set-aside appointment like Ezekiel and, and, and Isaiah. God calls us all. He says that he will pour out his spirit, not on a select few prophets. He will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Isn't it good to be in that number that God has chosen us, uh, that, that he has chosen us to be his spokesman in the world, to be able to tell men, women, and boys and girls that they should turn their life around and turn to Jesus, turn and trust him. That's what we do, and be saved. That's what the scripture tells us. You can speak with the full authority of God because God gave you that authority. He said, all power is given unto me, is given unto you too also to teach. Go ye therefore in all the earth baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said, I will be with you always, even until the end of the earth. So God has called us to be his prophets in the world that we live today. We are his spokesmen. We are to be about our father's business. So when you get into the New Testament, what I, I put are eight different passages here in your notes. And if you remember, Luke wrote both Luke and Acts eight different times that you can read in the text. He says what? Fill with the spirit. Filled with the Spirit every single time you see the phrase filled with the Spirit is connected with the proclamation, the power that God has given us to proclaim the gospel with the word off of our lips. And the Spirit is what? In us. And yes, he is what? In us to comfort us, but also give us that boldness. He said, come boldly before the throne of God. Yes, he is in us and he gives us the gift to be able to preach the spirit that is in us uh, to be able to do a lot of different things that God called us to do. It convicts us, but it guides us. It leads us. Uh, but don't miss it. The spirit is in you to empower you to be able to speak about Jesus. And this is the whole purpose of the spirit in you. Oh, God, sometimes we have to ask him to forgive us that we almost tried to go back to the Old Testament and try to go to the Old Covenant. But that's the work, way that we do uh, that we do church, is we say, well, pastor, uh, the preacher, uh, that you need to go out and uh, tell people about Jesus Christ. So that, no, that was the Old Testament priesthood. But as a preacher, I'm to train followers and equip them to be able to go out and to witness to others in the world. It's not the preacher's job. It's not the deacon's job. That's old covenant stuff. In the New Testament, he says that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So God has given all of us a job to go out and lead others to Christ. We are all evangelizers. We are to evangelize the world and let them. So the church proclaims the gospel in the obedience to Christ's plan. You will be witnesses to me in Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And this is an outline that unfolds over the rest of the book of Acts. And then in Jerusalem in Acts 6, 
the gospel begins in Samaria in Acts 8 throughout all Judea in Samaria and Galilee is the peace that is being built up. In Acts 9, the gospel gets to Rome and then in Acts 28 is going into the ends of the earth. So in the Old Testament, God promised his blessings for all nations and that was the picture of the Tower of Babel. All of those different languages. Then in Genesis 12, he tells Abraham, I'm going to call you out and going to send you a blessing. All different peoples of the world and every nation through you will be blessed. That's what he told Abraham. So all of those languages that, that we see Acts 2, that we're coming into fruition. All the different languages of the world are here and the gospel is going to be proclaimed to all of the people of the world and that uh, that that and there is coming a day that when every tribe, every people, every language will be together around his throne and sing praises unto him because the church is evangelizing. We need to be about our father's business. That's what the church does. It tells the good news, the New Testament, the gospel is preached to all nations, and that is our duty. Our duty is to go out and to call people to Christ. He said that if the Spirit draws them, but we got to be out evangelizing the world. We got to get the word out. It's our duty to get the word out. It's God's duty. It's Christ's duty to do the drawing. If we do our part, God will do his part. He is only, I think I put it in my message uh, that we'll preach him somewhere next week. Uh, Ollie Wilson uh, used to be the pastor at First Buffalo Baptist Church. He said, God got two sets of hands. That's my hands and your hands. God depends on us. We are the ones to evangelize the world. God wants us to get the word out. We are the, uh, we, we are the last line of defense. The church is the last line of defense that will come before Christ returns. We need to be on the battlefield. We need to be prepared to go to war. We need to put on the whole arm of God so that we can be able to stand against the wiles of the devil that will come us to try to discourage us. He, he will try to discourage us, telling us that, that we are not good and we are not uh, equipped. We are not. No, do what you do. Do the simplest thing. Show your love for one another. Uh, come to the, everybody in church is not a leader. Some people in church are good followers, being good, obedient followers. Let us be good, obedient followers of gospel of Jesus Christ. Then we'll be able to lead others to Christ. So let's be about our Father's business. We're called to evangelize the world, to let them know about the glory of God that will come into their lives to be able to make them ready for his reunion when he comes back to receive his church. We thank God for you joining us on this evening. Uh, that's what the church does. We, we do what God has appointed us to do. Those seven activities that we're going to, the church evangelizes. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the church baptizes. He told us to go ye therefore to evangelize, but also to what? To baptize. So we're going to talk about it on next week. We thank God for you joining us on this evening. We uh, we, we thank God for you uh, sitting through this hour in our lesson, but we'll uh, we'll prepare ourselves for the great reunion that Christ will have when He comes back to receive His church. But we need to be ready. The only way that we can be ready is to go out and tell somebody about the goodness of the Lord. Let them see Christ in you. 
in your day-to-day -day activities. Sometimes the only sermon that they'll ever hear is your life. They might see you living in a righteous way, and that encourages them. And then when you go and to open up the gospel to them, you know, remember the 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 the, the uh, uh, eunuch that met Philip. He was reading in the book of Isaiah, and, and Philip asked him, do you know what you're reading? He said, how can I understand unless somebody guide me? Our duty as Christians is to be able to guide somebody through the understanding of the gospel so that they can be able to give their lives to Christ. And once they give their lives to Christ, everything is going to be all right. And huh, they're going to be saved and sanctified, but they're going to have to be prepared to go through the same struggles and the same challenges that you and I are going through as believers today. they got to be equipped to go on and spread the word on further and further. That's how the greater works that we do because what I've laid the foundation, remember when Paul said one billets and, and another waters, but God gives the increase. One soweth, one waters, but God gives the increase. Our duty is to do our part. Do the sowing. Let someone else do the watering, but God will give the increase. God bless you. May heaven ever smile upon you. Uh, we thank God you join us. We'll see you on uh, Sunday morning for Sunday school hour. Uh, uh, after Sunday school hour, we will have our morning worship hour. Join us then. God bless you. May heaven ever smile upon you. And get on out there. Uh, be, become active in the body of Christ. Exercise your, your gifts by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone today. God bless you. May heaven ever smile upon you.